Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. We have a very empowering program today. We begin with a look at pancreatic cancer, which is very challenging to be able to treat either through alternative or orthodox means. But there's good news, an article from the Translational Genomics Research Institute in Phoenix published in the peer-reviewed journal Oncogenesis, talks about the preclinical study using, and this was at the City of Hope, a compound derived from the Thunder of God vine, an herb used in China for centuries to treat joint pain, swelling, and fever. It is able to kill cancer cells and potentially improve clinical outcomes for patients with pancreatic cancer. The medical plant's key ingredient is a, a tryptolide, which is the basis of a water-soluble prodrug, which appears to attack pancreatic cancer cells in the cocoon of stroma surrounding the tumor that shields it from the body's immune system. And the study found that the compound's mechanisms of action is the ability to disrupt what are known as super enhancers, the strings of DNA needed to maintain the genetic stability of pancreatic cancer cells and the cancer-associated fibroblasts that help make up the stroma, meaning the protective shield around the cancer so cancer protects itself. So this particular compound is able to break through that and allowing the cancer cells to be killed. By the way, pancreatic cancer is the third leading cause of cancer-related death in the United States. It kills about 47,000 Americans each year. So something that comes from a natural source, and this is a terrific natural source, it's called a triptolide, T-R-I-P-T-O-L-I-D-E. Uh, and in effect, it reprograms super enhancers uh, which may provide means of effective treatment options. So that's good news. Something new from a quality institute published in a mainstream peer-reviewed journal and not a word of it in the media. So we bring you that kind of quality information. Today, we are seeing a massive rollout of the coronavirus vaccine. And for those who want it, who believe it's going to protect them, and it may, well, good for them. We're happy that people are exercising their freedom of choice. But what if, what if we're only being told the good news, that the vaccines are coming out in massive amounts from multiple different manufacturers, and that there's a high percentage of success, but none of the back news or the bad news? We're here to share the story that the media has either been unable because of financial connections or political or ideological associations, to be honest with you. Very important information. Could be life-saving. In fact, um, we're going to be honoring citizen journalists. Anyone can be a citizen journalist. All it takes is a desire to look for the truth, not based upon ideology, not based upon your ethnicity or culture or religion or body politic, just whatever the truth is, that's what you look for. And then share it. No editorialization, just, just the facts. You send these clips, whether articles, uh, videos, 
send them to us at prnstudio at gmail.com, prnstudio at gmail.com. We will then review them. Because we are scholars, we will review them to see if they're accurate or not. If they are, we will post them and share them with everyone. We are starting two new sites. One hopefully will be up and running next week on just vaccines. But it's really quality vaccines, including a lot of peer-reviewed journal vaccine articles. Uh, things that you wouldn't imagine would be published in the peer-reviewed literature, but are that offer us a deeper look into the safety and efficacy or lack thereof of vaccines. The best articles from around the world, the best commentaries from around the world, the best books from around the world. One place to go to get all of your information where there is no bias. And good science has been applied because we have a screening process. So that's what's happening. I just want to mention that for those of you who've already been sharing this information on a regular basis, we thank you. And we've selected this week are outstanding contributions for citizen journalists to a person living in New York. Uh, and she has sent us one of the ones that you're going to see today. Her name is Valentina Farsi, F-A-R-A-C-I. She's not a scientist. She's not a journalist. Now she is a citizen journalist. She's so concerned about what is happening on many levels of our society on 5G, on GMOs, on the pollution of our environment, on global warming, that almost daily she sends us stuff. Now, what she sends us today, I'm going to show you right after health. If you have a chance, go to prn.fm, scroll down so you can watch it. It's only about 60 seconds. The film is four and a half minutes, but three and a half minutes of that, you'll see uh, the top nurse at a major center with a big press conference promoting the new vaccine, which she had just taken others as well, her unit. Enough said. We have some really dynamite videos coming your way today that you have not seen, and we take our time to give you the best of the best so you have an objective view of what you should be doing at this time when we're told by the so-called experts what we should do. Also, who's making these vaccines? Who's making your drugs? Who takes responsibility when a drug that you may have needed or may not have needed has adverse effects that impact your body? And then everybody says, wasn't us. But it was. We're going to give you a history today that no one else in the media anywhere in the world has given you. We're going to take a look at just one in-depth Merck's and... Uh, but then also one of the largest vaccine makers, Pfizer. Those are two of the front runners. Do you know anything about their background? What if I told you that they act more like criminal organizations in the minds of, in the views of many, and have actually settled so many lawsuits for knowingly lying? Would you then trust what they're saying and doing today? Interesting because you wouldn't do that with a person. If someone had caused the death of thousands upon tens of thousands of people and knowingly did it to profit from it, but then came up today and said, hey, hey, you got to take this. Trust me, it works. Would you automatically trust them? 
completely obviating all that was in their background, scrubbing it clean, sanitizing it, and having the media act as, as willing sock puppets for them? That's what's being done. You'll hear the facts. So we have a lot to share with you. Of course, we begin with the latest. So right up now, we're going to talk about apathy. Apathy is endemic. One of our callers yesterday called in, and I could hear the pain in his voice. I could hear that he was suffering emotionally. He doesn't have a computer. Uh, he is alone. He is lonely. He's depressed. He's sad. And his normal support system is not there. The places he would go and congregate with people and talk, he doesn't have any of that. So he, he was kind of at his wit's end. So I suggested the following, that we, those of us, myself included, once a week, starting once a week for an hour, those who have professional experience as, as counselors, as school teachers, as nutritionists, medical doctors, psychologists, um, people who are used to helping people in crisis, we would all be available, and then those who need help could call in on a conference call. wouldn't cost them anything. And for an hour or two, whatever it took, we would help address their problems so that they would be more optimistic. We would show them a pathway out of depression, angst, and apathy. And, uh, and so already, Mitchell Rabin called in, he said, quote, you're right, Mr. Nall, you were reading my mind accurately for a change yesterday. <laughs> I've known Mitch for a long time. Mitch, I'm sorry we can't grow your hair back. I would dedicate an hour a week to facilitate a group call for stress management and counseling coaching for those who feel stranded, like that fellow Bob who called in yesterday. If it's built, I will come. Well, Mitch, I've assigned one of our staff, Jessica, to coordinate all the calls of professionals, and then we will be taking calls from people who have issues, and then we will match the person and their skills with a person who has a question. So therefore, everyone's questions will be addressed in an orderly manner. So there'll be some organization to it. So we're on it. And also, we had other calls yesterday from other people in the audience who also are volunteering their skills, uh, including a uh, we have a, a person here who says, I want to be a part of this. What a brilliant idea this is. It is such an innovative way to reach out to Bob, a loyal listener, and to help others who feel isolated and need positive connection and input in these extraordinarily frustrating times. I would be honored to participate in the weekly conference call that we talked about today. I'm a writer, a nutritional counselor with lots of experience in both. And then attached a resume and she's a health eating specialist. Those are all really good. Christine. So Christine from Linden, New Jersey, thank you. Anyone else who has a background in helping people? You're the ones who would really be of value. Give a call to Jessica, who's our coordinator, 646-926-5422. And then send a resume with your background and your strengths, what are your qualifications, so we could match them with people's needs at prnstudio.gmail.com. So, 
something good coming from a person's apathy. Now, let's go back to the sense of apathy because this study from Translational Genomics Research Institute in Phoenix, uh, no, excuse me, that was the previous one. This comes from Cambridge University uh, in the United Kingdom. It could predict the onset of dementia years before other symptoms. Let me uh, give you an example. Last night, as I try to do every night around 11 o'clock, when everything's done and all the chores are done and all the animals are put away and they're bonding and hugs and uh, little snacks and treats that they I hide in different pockets and they go through the pockets to try to find them and laugh. Yeah, it's fun to watch a monkey laugh. They laugh just like humans, different way, but the mouth opens and they laugh and their eyes light up. And uh, in that final, that final end of the evening, and then they go up and get snuggled into a bed, clean sheets every day, comforters, blanket, warm, with teddy bears. Yeah, they have. They want their teddy bears. Take them away, and they, they go rummaging to find them. So then I go up and I, I start watching from the archives, which is massive. We have thousands and thousands of hours of tape. And by the way, I found the two hours, two thus far. It was four hours. I found two hours of Dr. Curry Mullis, who discovered the PCR, won the Nobel Prize for it, and boy, did he lash out at Fauci. And by the way, I found out that millions has gone viral all over the world. A two-minute clip from my interview with you can see the back of my head. I'm interviewing him in his house, and where he's talking about Anthony Fauci, he's a fraud, he won't debate me, he doesn't know anything, he shouldn't be in this position of power. He was right, and that was way back, you know, 25 years ago. Um, I found the rest of the interview where he says, don't use the PCR for diagnosing. Don't use it to determine a person's infectivity. Interesting because we're going to post the whole two hours. I'm going to go editing it this weekend with Roland. Roland's in New York. He's one of our two senior editor, along with uh, Valerie. And we're going to get that ready, and we're going to stream it next week. But by the way, anytime anyone sees that two-minute clip of Anthony Fauci being challenged by, by Kerry Mullis, that's my tape, except nobody, nobody gave me attribution for it. But it's viral all over the world, millions of views. Anyhow. Uh, so, uh, back to apathy, the, it's a lack of interest or motivation. So I'm watching a video last night that had never been released. We found 40 videos I produced that were never released. I'm going to release them all. I'm going to put them up on the internet for free. We're, we're just going through to make sure that they're still timely. That's what's called an evergreen. You know, we'll edit out anything that dates it and uh, so you'll think it's done today, that the information is vital. And I thank goodness Mel Gavanta, who was the cinematographer, got some close-up shots of people in the audience as I'm talking. This was a two-hour talk. And it was about starting your life over. And don't we have an opportunity in life to start over? Start our health over? Start a relationship over? Yeah, to start our mindset over to have a whole new set of values and a whole new set of realities that we're going to start over today. Leave tomorrow for what you're going to create today and forget yesterday because it shouldn't be in tomorrow. We just drag everything from the past into today, which means we're tied up in angst, the sense of incompleteness, pain of the bad choices we made. Well, hello, we've all made bad choices. 
We've all ended relationships before. We should have or didn't give them a chance as they deserved. We, we could be impatient. We misinterpret things frequently without asking for the deeper meaning. Um, all of us are hardwired. That's why it's so important that we pay attention to going to neutral before we react so we make sure that we are not reacting from some predetermined bias, predetermined belief system, someone else's beliefs that we're honoring, but they're not applicable for this moment. So this lecture I did was in 1991 because I mentioned Carrie Mullis in the film. And I, I mentioned being down in Texas at the time. Well, there was a, one of the shots is of, of a person. And when you see this person's face, I read apathy. Well, that person has come to probably a hundred lectures I've done over the years. Unhappy, ungrounded emotionally, nice person, wanting to have a meaningful life, but stuck where there is no motivation predictable outcomes. The world just shrinks for these people. Their emotions shrink into one tightly, overly wound ball of angst. And only by seeing that and reading this study this morning, I connected the two that you can see apathy long before it manifests in, in dementia, decades before. So therefore, when you start seeing apathy you're looking at a window of opportunity to help prevent a disease at an early stage. That's according to the team of scientists led by Professor James Rowe at the University of Cambridge. They found that frontal temporal dementia is a significant cause of dementia among younger people, often 40, 45. Yeah, behavior, language, and personality leading to impulsivity. I counseled a medical doctor last night. He, is, he thrives on impulsivity, uh, social inappropriate behavior, repetitive and compulsive behaviors, and he's miserable. And I gave him a protocol last night. Now, mind you, he's considered one of the brightest doctors in America, top of this class, all these major medical schools, big practice, and he's miserable. So I said, ready to start over. And he said, I've got so many hurdles, Gary. I, I can't listen to people. I'm impatient. I can't shut up. My mind's always running. I'm, I'm just, I'm lost. I said, okay, I've got a way of helping you out of this. <clears throat> I gave him a protocol. It's not dealing with nutrition or food at all. And we'll see, he's agreed to do, go public with it. So I'm going to do it on this program over a period of time, and let's see how it turns out. So, in any case, had he dealt with this earlier in his life, he'd be a different person. If we all dealt with learning how to listen, learning how to stay non-judgmental till we have all of our information in, learning how not to project upon others what we don't like about ourselves, learning how to use language and our personality in a constructive way, one that empowers people, that would push impulsivity and social inappropriate behavior away. So 
That's important. That's what this study showed. So if you have apathy or you know people who do, there's a lot of ways of helping them in non-pharmacological non ways. Mindful meditation, prayer, music therapies, biofeedback. There's a whole lot of ways. Uh, there's two of the best uh, psychotherapists, psychologists in America. Uh, Peter Resnick is one. I, I don't want to mention any other's names because I don't know if he's um, wants to be mentioned this time. But Peter, in my opinion, is one of the best on the planet. <clears throat> in any case, let's help people out of ap apathy. Let's help them so that they don't end up with dementia later in life or having problems in this life. And finally, from Yonsei University College of Medicine, South Korea, vitamin D deficiency and low physical activity is related to a low HDL cholesterol level in a study in children and adolescents. So let's just make sure our children are getting their vitamin D3 and are kept active, and that will help them big time, all right? keeping their cholesterol at a healthier level and their the HDL cholesterol at a healthier level. Oh, and by the way, living near nature can help improve your mental health amid coronavirus pandemic, University of Tokyo. So living near trees and water, mountains, beautiful landscapes can help mitigate some of the negative effects of COVID-19 pandemic on people's mental health. And this was published in Ecological Applications, a peer-reviewed journal. It rewarded that more frequent use of green spaces, going to parks and forests, just going to the Hudson River and just looking out over the river. I do all that all, all the time. I do that. It's just wonderful. That can help you. It's associated with a greater level of life satisfaction, self-esteem, and happiness among adults living in densely populated urban areas. That's the latest on health and healing. We're 22 minutes into our program. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, got some stuff to share with you. We're going to go to a clip that Valentina Farsi sent us. You'll hear part of it, about a minute's worth. You can watch it. It's far more dramatic to watch it. Back in a moment, right into the clip. Please stay with us. So, you'll tell them the name. Okay. My name is Tiffany Dover, and I am the manager in CCU. Um, for my team, this has been a it's it's been a hard time. You know, we've um, persevered through it, but I think that this vaccination offers us hope, and you know. The fact that we can be proactive versus reactive, it's, you know, it's going to change the way this virus is taking over our lives. So I'm just thankful that we have a chance to receive it here. How, personally, how has it impacted your life? Um, for me, I have, you know, seen my staff have to learn a whole new world of nursing, you know. Um, we have truly stepped up and, you know, p people have picked up shift after shift to help cover um, as this, you know, has surged 
and you know truly our team has united together it's you know between the physicians my nurses respiratory you know we've all worked to try to give the best care possible and it's you know it's been a challenge but we have rose to the occasion and I'm thankful for this team when you woke up this morning did you know you're going to be receiving the vaccine I did, yes. Okay. So, you know, all of my staff, um, we are excited to get the vaccine. You know, um, we are in the COVID unit, so therefore, you know, my team will be getting first chances to get the vaccine. And I know that um, it's really, I'm sorry, I'm feeling really dizzy. Oh, I'm sorry. To bring it down now, um, the room was packed with uh, news people and physicians, and the head of the unit had taken the vaccine and now is on the floor. And the doctors are about five different doctors are there to tend to her. Well, okay, safe and effective. Hmm. Evidently not for everyone. But there's more on that. I'm going to give you a lot of quick headlines right now. Everything I'm about to share with you is coming from mainstream medicine. If you've noticed, for the last 10 months, I told my producer, Richard Gale, I said, Richard, I don't want any alternative physicians, no matter what their claims. I know that I've been called by many who are friends of mine. Hey, Gary, we're getting people uh, cured with COVID, with in intravenous vitamin C and ozone and hyperbaric oxygen. Can we talk? No. I only want orthodox physicians to talk about how orthodox medicines are saving people's lives. Why? because this is the only chance in my lifetime up to this point where I've seen a major crisis that would otherwise be completely manipulated and controlled by the Orthodox establishment where the people fighting back are the Orthodox scientists and physicians fighting back against the Orthodox science and physicians. The difference is they all were at one table, but now those who have the bureaucrats, technocratics, and the big pharma behind them are in control. And that is important that you know that we do have drugs, inexpensive drugs, safe drugs, been around for decades treating billions of people, and they have been banned by Anthony Fauci and the powers in the White House and CDC and the FDA. Why, if you have something that could save hundreds of thousands of lives right now and could have been doing this from day one, why would you sacrifice that amount of people for a very expensive drug and the potential for a vaccine that may or may not 
be able to prevent the disease. And we have evidence from the actual president of the company making the vaccine that they have not any proof that it will actually prevent you from spreading coronavirus to another person or you getting a coronavirus from another person uh, once you have the vaccines. In fact, we're told everything must stay the same. Your masks, the quarantine, everything stays the same even though you've gotten the vaccine. Well, my God, can't an idiot could see where this is leading. And yet, think of what it means to be someone who's willing to sacrifice hundreds of thousands of people's lives just so that the people they're aligned with will make the biggest profits in world history, hundreds of billions of dollars. And if you doubt me on this, let me be more specific. I'm going to give you a few examples. Then you tell me, should we trust these people? Let's start with Pfizer. P-F-I-Z-E-R. For example, with so many companies making vaccines, it seems to be trying to corner a particular market, children. In October, they filed with the FDA emergency use authorization for its experimental vaccine. All these vaccines are experimental, enrolling kids as young as 12 years old. AstraZeneca got approval in the United Kingdom. Pfizer made a 90% claim in mid-November, but as of late October, they were still enrolling participants. Earlier, all reports were expecting a little better than 50% effectiveness, but effective about what? Preventing for hospitalization? Nope. Preventing deaths? Nope. Preventing it from spreading to other people? Nope. Preventing from getting it from other people? Nope. Well, then why would a person take the back? Well, because it makes milder symptoms uh, to stay mild. All right. So what do we know? Well, we know that they had previous high rates of complaints of high fever, pounding headaches, shortness of breath, body aches, exhaustion, and shivering. So intense reports participants cracking their teeth. Just so you know, Pfizer is the second largest drug biotech company in the world, the fourth highest earner in vaccines. But what have they done that should allow us to challenge their honesty? Well, product safety. Heart valves were defective and caused 100 deaths. Investigation found the company intentionally misled. Let me repeat that. Pfizer intentionally misled regulators knowing about hazards. Celebrex. In the wake of Vioxx, the painkiller, admitted in its trials the drug increased heart problems. Then why didn't you stop it? if you knew that people were likely to have a heart attack or stroke. Profits ahead of people. They settled $894 million for Celebrex and Bextra, the painkiller that caused cardio and GI risks. More than a 1,000 lawsuits of birth defects associated with the drug Zoloft. Price fixing as far back as 1950s with antibiotics such as tetracycline. Price fixing over the years, AIDS drugs, Lipitor, cholesterol-lowering drugs. Illegal advertising back in 1957 over its Plax mouth rinse, antidepressants, Zoloft, Celebrex, Lipitor, uh, uh, Zithromax for ear infections, paid $20 million to 4,500 doctors for speaking on behalf of its drugs, meaning they paid to play. We'll give you money, you endorse our products. Don't look for the truth, just take the money. And the doctors did, 4,500. Centrum claims of breast and colon health, racketeering fraud over neurotonin, the epilepsy drug, bribery, 
payments to foreign government officials and bribing overseas doctors to increase foreign sales. Well, that certainly wouldn't influence a doctor to use a drug if you gave them tens of thousands of dollars or gave them grants or gave them honorarium. Surely not. No, no doctor would accept money to be bribed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they were caught doing it. Selling off-label, kickbacks from Medicare, tax avoidance using paperwork to relocate to Ireland, a tax haven, regulatory misdirection, repeatedly paid fines for environmental violations at its research and manufacturing plants. In 2009, dubious distinction of paying the largest ever criminal fine at the time, $2.3 billion. We found a video clip of it. I'll play it on our next program. For fraudulent and illegal promotion of four drugs, including the painkiller market is dangerously high, at dangerously high doses. So they're making money off selling you a drug that could kill you. They had to pay just a piddling $2.3 billion. But it showed you their mindset, the board of directors, the people who greenlight all this. In 2016, a British regulator leveled a $106 million fine against Pfizer for a 2,600% increase in the price of a widely prescribed anti-epilepsy drug that increased the National Health Service's expenditure for one year to the next for a single drug from $2.5 million for the drug to 63 million. Pfizer's the top drug company spending in state elections, even outspending the industry's own lobbying group, Pharmaceutical Research Manufacturers of America. So what are they doing with that money? Giving it to your elected officials at the state level. The Trump administration's FDA commissioner for two years, Scott Gottlieb, passed through the revolving door to join Pfizer's board of directors as well as becoming a regular contributor to CNBC. So we've seen this before. You are at a drug company, you come to work at the CDC or the FDA, you go back to that drug company or the CDC. Judy Gerberling, head of the, uh, uh, the CDC, got millions of dollars. She was supposed to over, oversee vaccine safety. Yeah, didn't do that but made a lot of money. So understand the environment in which you are operating. Now, as far as Merck goes, separate company, I'll ask you a question. Which private corporation has likely been responsible for the deaths of more innocent people than any terrorist organization or military regime since the changes in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, and elsewhere? For us, the answer is evident. Merkin Company, Iogenic Medicine, or Medical Air, which is now at the top of the rung that causes death in the United States after cardiovascular disease and cancer. The majority of these deaths are caused by FDA-approved drugs, adverse effects, and from patients taking multiple medications without thorough clinical research to determine the safety of their synergistic effects. So right now, everyone receiving the vaccine, has that vaccine been tested to see what will it do if you take a heart drug? Nope. How about a chemotherapy? Nope. How about an antipsychotic or antidepressant medication? No. Well, how about an anti-inflammatory agent? No. Has the drug been uh, used to see what a group of immunocompromised people will happen to their immune system? Could they become hyper-immune responsive and therefore the body increases the virulence against itself, causing massive cytokine storms? No. I see. Is there any studies showing the multiple drugs people take 
and then what effect the vaccine will have? None whatsoever. So what could possibly go wrong? One of the worst corporate deals the U.S. government may have ever made in modern history was to acquire the American subsidiary of the German pharmaceutical firm Merck and Company during the First World War. Later in 1953, Merck acquired competitive drug maker Sharp and Dome, thereby establishing itself as America's largest drug developer and manufacturer. Since then, this corporate Medusa has ensnared 13 other drug firms, including Shearing Plow, which it acquired for $41 billion. The two pharmaceutical giants have earned $47 billion in combined sales just in that year. Merck's legacy of lawsuits for crimes was observed back in the 1970s. 1975, it was busted by the Security and Exchange Commission for illegal payments to foreign government officials from approximately 36 nations, paying off 36 different nations' top executives or people important to them getting their drugs into company. The scam was orchestrated through personal bank accounts with the sole purpose of advancing drug approvals through foreign nations' regulatory medical agencies, meaning bypassing a country's normal way of vetting a drug to see if it's safe and effective. One of the largest scandals in recent medical history was the company's anti-inflammatory drug Vioxx that resulted in fines of $4.8 billion for causing over 60,000 deaths minimally. Some have put the figure as high as 500,000 or a half a million people died because of Vioxx. And they knew the tr trouble with Vioxx. They knew this would happen from sudden heart attacks. Over 120,000 serious medical injuries. At its height, Vioxx was earning over $2 billion a year. And it's estimated that 25 million patients were prescribed the medication. The securities class action suit against the company alone reached $1 billion, placing it in the top 15 security lawsuits in corporate history. The primary charge was Merck's intentional, listen again, intentional withholding of scientific data about the drug's adverse cardiovascular side effects. Years after the settlement, Ron Unce, the publisher of the American Conservative, undertook his own investigation to validate Vioxx's death toll. Analyzing the drug's adverse effects over a longer time, he estimated Merck may have been responsible for at least a half a million premature deaths in elderly patients, the drug's primary target group. That is roughly the same number of total civilian military and terrorist deaths from all U.S. military escapades in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Pakistan combined. Let put, let's put that in, let's just put that in perspective. A friend of mine named Steve, who is very good at taking uh, concepts and making titles for him, might, might come up with this. What drug company caused more civilians to die unnecessarily than all of these wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Pakistan combined? Merck. Merck's settlement of 47,000 pending lawsuits for personal injuries and 265 class action cases was a small pittance for the harm Merck left in its wake. Merck executives were never properly punished or willingly concealed, for willingly concealed the drug's dangers in order to assure FDA approval. In Australia, Merck's efforts to increase Vioxx profits employed other forms of malfeasance. The Australian government launched a class action suit against the drug maker on charges the employees allegedly schemed a fake scientific paper that was ghostwritten by a medical journal in order to put Vioxx into a positive light. Testimonies during the trial stated 
that data was completely based upon, quote, wishful thinking, meaning it was lies. Merck also founded the peer-reviewed journal, Australian Journal of Bone and Joint Health. They founded it so they could publish their article in there to show that Vioxx was good. Moreover, the class action lawsuit contained Merck's emails accessed by Australian officials, the company's internal communications allegedly ordered select employees to, quote, draft up a hit list of physicians who were critical of Vioxx. According to the documents, these physicians were targeted, quote, to be neutralized, end quote, or, quote, discredited, end quote. Some included Dr. James Fries at Stanford University's medical school were clinical investigators who happened to speak out about the drug's shortcomings. One email, quote, we may need to seek them out and destroy them where they live, end quote. That's Merck, the same company now that is feeding off the public trough, that's giving you drugs and a vaccine, and we're supposed to believe those dancing idiot clowns on CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the rest of these people have no soul? They've sold their soul? They're compromised in the extreme? Yeah. And so now, of course, all drugs are safe and effective. The FDA wouldn't allow them, and all vaccines are safe and effective. Let's walk on. There's nothing to see here. And that's just the beginning. I have more to say, but I'll say it on our next program where I have more time because I'm going to mention the actual directors, like Merck's executive directors. Ian McConnell, earlier served as vice president of Fleischmann's, the PR firm's senior advisor on healthcare, Dr. Lucas Pfizer, was at Merck for 25 years in its government affairs unit. Merck's revolving door is not limited to our health agencies. So you want to look at the Biden administration and why it doesn't matter who's in office, Biden, Trump, it does, Daffy, uh, Donald Duck could be in president. It's irrelevant who is president. It is meaningless. It has no bearing upon anything that's going to impact in a positive way our environment, animal care, or your and I health and well-being. Everyone in Trump's cabinet was a septic oozing sore, an abscess of corporate greed and malfeasance. Everyone in Biden's cabinet, including everyone who's an officer, all of them, corporatists, representing special interest group, the war industrial machine, big pharma, Wall Street, Goldman Sachs. That's the only people. Will the left tell you this? They will not. They're too compromised. Will the right tell you? They've been compromised from day one. Look at George Bush and look at Ronald Reagan's cabinets, all corporatists. Well, where's the average person? Where's the populace? Where's a progressive? You'll never find them in any position, in any government position of power. So be it. So now you're going to trust Big Pharma? You're going to trust the CDC? You're going to trust these people? Hmm. And I'll end with this. This is from an email from Patty Saffron, a citizen journalist. <clears throat> this is a letter she just received from a U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Patty. I could not agree more with your decision not to take uh, not taking the vaccine and not giving permission for your nursing home to administer to your friend. Carol and I are extremely suspicious of taking a vaccine that has been rushed by politicians of both parties and big pharmaceutical companies. On the other hand, we should trust them to do what's best for us, right? No. Simply stated, always follow the money. I have a number of friends who are anxiously awaiting their chance to take the vaccine, and I've warned them about the military being required to take the swine flu shot a few decades ago. I was a young man then, 
and in marvelous physical condition, yet I and almost everyone else in my unit, 200 soldiers became deathly ill after taking the vaccine. I was so sick, I did not think that if I took that shot today, I would survive. And I still wonder about any lasting effects. The official explanation given was, well, it was just a bad batch of the vaccine. Well, I really believe that. So I immediately bought some real estate in the Okie Swamp. Yet some of my friends still seem quite anxious for the time when they can take the COVID vaccine. All right, and then it goes on from there. But are these people being told to take vitamin D3 and vitamin C and zinc and, and selenium? No. Are we being told how to eat a healthier diet, how to lose weight, how to help ourselves with our existing comorbidities? Nope, not a word. Are we told about oxy uh, the known improvement with over 170 studies in the peer-reviewed uh, and scientific literature about hydroxychloroquine and zinc and zithromycin? Nope. Well, what about the other known drugs that could help it and have been shown to stop it and doctors are coming together and outraged that it's not being offered? Nope. That should tell you a lot. Again, let us keep this in perspective that the person that we are talking about would be the head of a corporation. That means their entire board of directors. That means all of the people associated with that decision there had to be a lot of people involved to decide that we have something that we're doing that is wrong, whether it's bribing people, uh, bribing doctors in America to promote something that they know nothing about, that then the, the people going on television would say, well, we have Dr. Such and Such, and Doctor, what do you believe would be the best way of approaching this condition? Oh, we have this drug now that a doctor's using, without realizing that doctor may have been paid to say that. Efforts to target critics of who, for harassment is not limited to Merck. Not at all. Earlier, Monsanto earned a similar reputation. The Monsanto parent company, Bayer, had to release a public apology for the discovery of a Monsanto hit list of about 200 French journalists and politicians who opposed glyphosate and its GMO crops. It has acted similarly in other countries, including the United States, according to veteran journalist Kerry Gillum. The list originated from the multinational public relations firm Fleischmann Hillard. Merck has also employed Fleischmann Hillard as well as Monsanto's other notorious PR firm, Ketchum. One of Merck's executive directors, Ian McConnell, earlier served as a vice president at Fleischmann, the PR firm's senior advisor on healthcare, Dr. Lucas Pfizer, uh, Feister, was at Merck for 25 years in its government affairs unit. Merck's revolving door is not limited to our federal health agencies, but also fully infiltrates some of the world's most shadowy international PR firms that specialize in whitewashing the public images of executives and corporations, and in the case of the PR firm Burson Marsteller, even dictators. Following the Vioxx case, Merck had hired uh, Marsteller to clean up its public image. MSNBC reported back in 2009, quote, when evil needs public relations, evil has Burson Marsteller on speed dial, end quote. But Merck's troubles with the dangers of its products falsely 
uh, falsifying data about drugs' efficacy and safety and exaggerations in medical claims go back 60 years. In the 1960s, the FDA discovered that the drug maker's arthritis medication, Indosin, had not been properly tested for efficacy and its adverse effects were being completely ignored. In the 1970s, Merck's drug diethylstabestrol, DES, prescribed for the prevention of miscarriages, caused a flurry of vaginal cancer cases and other gynecological disorders. Merck had all along known DES was carcinogenic based on its own animal clinical trials. In 2007, its cholesterol drug, Azetia, was shown to increase liver disease. Again, Merck had known about Azetia's liver risks, but withheld the clinical data's damaging results. It would also appear that Merck has managed to hijack U.S. courts as well. This includes an early 2019 ruling by Trump's corporate-friendly U.S. Supreme Court to side with the drug maker and squash hundreds of lawsuits for failing to issue warnings that its osteoporosis drug, Flosamax, may contribute to debilitating bone breaks. A federal court in California found that Merck committed perjury for lying in a patent infringement case against Gilead Sciences over the latter's blockbuster hepatitis C drug, Sovaldi. The judge ruled that Merck carried out, quote, a systematic and outrageous deception in conjunction with unethical business practices and litigation misconduct, end quote. It turned out that Merck's patent claims were a sham and orchestrated by its legal division. Were any of those people held accountable? No. Did Merck's reputation take a hit? Did the government agency stop relying upon uh, any of its scientists? No. So besides pushing through the FDA's dangerous medications onto the market, the company has also found itself in the courtroom on many occasions for alleged price-fixing, routinely defrauding and overbilling states, Medicare and Medicaid programs, and violating the anti-kickback statute. In 2006, the IRS went after Merck for owing almost $2 billion in back taxes. According to the Wall Street Journal, Merck partnered with the British bank to create an offshore subsidiary in tax-friendly Bermuda to divert taxable revenue on its best-selling cholesterol drug, Zocor, and Mevacor through a patent scheme. The company ran the operation for 10 years before the FDA uncovered the racket. Merck is America's leading vaccine manufacturer. Despite public perception and the ruse that vaccines are somehow safer and more effective than pharmaceutical drugs in general, it is the same industry and same corporate culture that manufactures both of them. Currently, Merck markets vaccines for hep hemophilus B, hepatitis A, and hepatitis B, individually and in combination, human papillomavirus, that's Gardasil, measles, mumps, and rubella, that's the MMR, pneumococcal uh, rotavirus, Barcerella, which is chickenpox, and zoster virus for shingles. More recently, it has jumped into the coronavirus vaccine race. 2010, Merck obtained exclusive rights to mass bio biologics vaccine portfolio. The consequence is that Merck's adult vaccine portfolio expanded to include nine of the ten vaccines on the CDC's adult immunization schedule. The company now holds almost a full monopoly on the government's vaccines. On its website, the FDA assures the public that, quote, vaccines, as with all products, 
regulated by the FDA undergo a rigorous review of laboratory and clinical data to ensure safety, efficacy, and purity and potency of these products, end quote. That's nonsense. That's absolutely false. Except for Gardasil, not a single one of Merck's vaccines has ever been tested in a scientifically viable double-blind placebo-controlled trial. In each case, the placebo in the control group was not inert, such as the use of a sterile saline solution. Rather, Merck only tested the vaccine with a viral component against a faux placebo containing the same ingredients, including aluminum, but minus the virus, known as a carrier solution. The standard scientific protocol does not designate it as a proper placebo for measuring the efficacy and disease risks of a drug. And in the case of Gardasil, the trial was statistically tricked to mask Gardasil's adverse effects. Therefore, the FDA's claim is patently false. None of Merck's vaccines have ever undergone a rigorous review prior to regulatory approval. Would you know that? No, but you would see all of its so-called experts and scientists and the FDA and other people all sitting at the same table, all benefiting. And you're going to trust these people? Although not completely innocent from internal unfairness and conflicts of interest, the Cochrane Database Collaboration arguably remains the most reliable resource for analysis of drugs and vaccines and medical devices in the evidence-based medical establishment. In its 2016 analysts of Merck's human papillomavirus vaccine, Gardasil, the investigators were so alarmed they filed a complaint against the European Medical um, Agency for failing to adequately assess the vaccine's neurological harms. Now, as we've recently witnessed with Monsanto's roundup and bare settlement of, of billions upon billions of dollars for now, which is over 100,000 lawsuits, Gardasil may well become the company's Achilles heel. The Gardasil scandal may very well begin to topple the vaccine regime and raise the public's already increased awareness and distrust of the official monitor that vaccines are safe and effective. The development, scientific rationale, fraudulent clinical trials, and data reporting and inside negotiations with federal health officials to market the vaccine to pre-teen and teen girls and boys is a story riddled with misconduct. Today, it is Merck's third largest revenue-generating drug after its cancer drug, uh, Ketundra, and diabetes drug, and earning $3.1 billion in 2018. Its MMR vaccine is fifth, having earned $1.8 billion. Gardasil's success has nothing to do with the prevention of an urgent national health need. Instead, it is more likely a business strategy through Merck's, inf Merck's influence over our nation's regulatory agencies. They control the FDA. They control the CDC. They control the U.S. Public Health Service. Every major agency of government has been influenced, and some are completely under the control of special pharmaceutical interests or other interests from other industries. In 2018, a French oncologist, Dr. Gerald Delphine, stumbled upon a correlation between this increase of cervical cancer rates that's an increase in cancer with the rising use of Gardasil's vaccines. Delpine also compared France, which has uh, the deliberating on whether to mandate HPV vaccine with other countries that relied upon pap smears as a preventable measure against cervical cancer. 
he observed that in all countries that prioritized pap smears, cervical cancer rates were decreasing, whereas in those countries where higher human papilloma vaccines compliance, the rates increased. In his letter to the French government, in defiance of Merck's lobbying efforts, uh, Del, Dr. Delpine said, quote, a compulsory health measure should not be based upon faith in vaccination or hidden conflicts of interest, but on proven facts verifiable by every citizen. However, the facts established by the official records of cancer registries show that human papilloma virus vaccination does not protect against invasive, invasive cancer of the cervix, but seems rather to maintain its frequency at a high level and sometimes even increases it, end quote. So there you have part of the story of we say nothing about the reputation, sordid, fetid, and as malignant as they are, and yet now we're trusting the entire world's health to these same people? Think about that. Thank you all for listening and have a nice day.